We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Patton. We're talking about the Bulls. Last game of the first half there, heading into the All-Star break with a victory 128-124 over the New Orleans Pelicans. This is a pretty wild game. Uh, (laughs) Crazy fourth quarter, specifically Bulls give up 45 in the fourth quarter. They foul multiple three-point shooters in the last two minutes. Unbelievable. Had an 18-point lead at one point at the start of the final frame. Uh, the Pelicans got, I think, within three in the closing moments. Bulls still able to hold on to win. I guess top-line info, Zach Levine, another great game. 36 points, eight assists. His playmaking really uh, was shining in the beginning of the game, and his scoring ability was shining late. I thought it was an absolutely terrific game for him. 12-19 and 19 from the field, 4-8 of eight from three, 8-8 eight of eight from the foul line. Uh, we saw Thad Young have a really terrific game, especially when the Bulls were building that big lead in the second and third quarter. Thad Young, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, goes 8-10 to 10 from the field. So, Bulls hold on. It wasn't always pretty. Uh, that's kind of been a theme with this team throughout the year. They've played a ton of clutch games. I think the stat is that games that are defined as clutch with uh, under 5 minutes left within 5 points, they've They've played the second most games defined as clutch out of any team in the league after the Celtics. So, uh, you know, we shouldn't have gotten too confident that the Bulls were going to run away with this one. The (laughs) Bulls, we know, are not a great team. But this is, I think, very apparently a game the Bulls likely would have lost under Jim Boylan, likely would have lost maybe under Fred Hoiberg. And the Bulls aren't terrible anymore. The Bulls are a relatively competent team. They're winning 47% of their games right now. I know I bet the I bet the under in the preseason, which was 41% of their games. I was feeling pretty confident about that. But hey, the Bulls have had uh, this sort of been a pleasant surprise throughout the first half of the season. It's been awesome. So uh, Jason, you know, how were you feeling watching this one? And uh, what do you think? It's- 
uh, I mean, they came out and they came out with a lot of energy. They just from the jump, they definitely looked a lot better than the Pelicans. The Pelicans were they looked awful. Like outside of Zion, their starting lineup was just absolutely atrocious. Uh, and the Bulls, the Bulls were trying hard. At least they weren't exactly playing that well, and they went up big early, and then. Pelicans did come back and it looked like, oh, here we go. Like it's, this is not going to go well. Like the Bulls have lost two in a row. And then they just, the, the rest of that second quarter, they absolutely destroyed them. And I mean, Zach, you mentioned Zach's playmaking. He looked really good today. Just a really solid overall game from it. I think he might have had a few ugly turnovers there, uh, towards, and like the, the, the fourth quarter was just kind of weird and goofy. But like for the most part, like he just had a really in control game. He did wind up with four turnovers, but 36 points, eight assists, 12 of 19, just a really efficient game. Kobe White had another big, Zach and Kobe destroyed Pelicans that first time they played with those 20, with the, all those three pointers they hit. They both played really well again tonight. Zach with 36, Kobe with 25. And the Bulls just had really solid, consistent effort throughout the game. They really, they blew it open in the second quarter. And then the third quarter, and the start of the second half, the Pelicans came with a little run, but the Bulls pushed right back. They kind of had that big lead. Um, but then the, the fourth quarter, the Pelicans finally, they went to, Sam McGunny finally went to Jackson Hayes. He kind of changed the game with his rim protection and energy, and the Bulls kind of got sloppy, and we just kind of saw that lead almost slip away. Thank the, thank the Lord the Pelicans could not make a damn free throw because, uh, we saw Zion miss a bunch. Uh, Jackson Hayes, I think they did, they did get to three at that one point, at, or it was either three or four where Jackson Hayes had like an alley-oop in transition. He got fouled. He missed a free throw. Then Zion missed a couple free throws. Then Wendell Carter Jr. had a big putback. Zach had a layup, and that kind of did it. Although there were, you mentioned the three-point shooting uh, fouls, which have been ridiculous all season. Like, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with that stuff. Like, I'm sure Billy harps on it all the time, but uh, kind of kept the Pelicans in it till the final seconds, but the Bulls pulled it out then. Uh, to win, you mentioned the clutch games. The Bulls have been winning all these clutch games against... A lot of they've been winning the clutch games against bad teams at least in February, uh, like that Timberwolves game they won in overtime, the Kings game they pulled that game that game got close in the fourth quarter tonight. Uh, they beat that they beat the Pacers in overtime. That Pistons game is also they've been figuring out how to win these close games against the bad teams, the bum slayers. I think they're uh, the Bulls are like officially I would call them bum slayers in that first half, and that is a good thing. I guess it's not a bad thing that they're they're bum slayers. They're beating other bad other. Teams below 500. I'm not gonna call the Bulls bad. I think they're firmly like an average, mediocre team after this first half of the season. Um, but they're beating they're beating these teams that they that they arguably should beat. It's not always pretty, like it was tonight. They almost blew it, but uh, they're winning these games where they they should theoretically win. They still haven't been able to really beat. We saw them lose to uh, beat the good teams. We saw them lose to the Suns. We saw them lose a tough one to the Nuggets where they were in it late. That was a really fun game against the Nuggets the other night where uh, Nikola Jokic just was too much in that fourth quarter. Uh, it kind of just like the Suns game where the, the Suns pulled it out in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets were able to do the same in that fourth quarter. So the Bulls have not been able to pull out these games against the good teams. I'll, I go back to that, the Sixers game as well where Embiid went off. The Bulls haven't beat a team over 500, I don't think, in a, in a pretty long time. But again, they're 16 and 18 because they're beating teams that they should. And this, this, the schedule lately has been much easier. I think it looks like it's going to get tougher the second half of the year, but, uh, you, you, you play the teams in front of you and the Bulls were able to put together a pleasantly surprising first half of the season to be right here in the playoff mix at 16 and 18. And obviously we'll talk more about just in general, the, what our takeaways from this first half, but, um, it's good that they are not a complete disaster and not a co- total mess. Zach Levine just had the best first half, best stretch of basketball in his career. Uh, you mentioned Thad Young with another outstanding. He had 18, five, three assists, three blocks, just eight of 10 from the field. He's another awesome. great game for Thaddeus Young, just wrapping up an incredible first half of the season. He's shooting over 60%. So this, uh, again, pleasantly surprising first half of the season. Uh, it'll, 
we'll see if the Bulls will be able to be able to actually beat the good teams. But for right now, they're in the mix because they're able to take advantage of some of these lesser teams and and winning the, some of these close games against them, which is nice. Yeah, one of my points was just going to be that the Bulls are very average this year, and that feels like a gigantic success. Yep. If you look at the numbers, they're 15th in the league in offensive rating. Is that right? That's yeah, they're right, yeah, they're right in like middle of the pack, which is much better. That's a huge jump. Huge jump. 15th in offensive rating, 17th in defensive rating. Their offensive rating has been below that for most of the year, so I was a little startled seeing that right now. Uh, so, you know, obviously – right in the middle of the pack on both ends of the floor. Uh, their point differential, they're like minus 0.2. And their net rating, they're like minus 0.8. So, you know, there's been obviously been a number of games that they could have won that they blew late. The Warriors game immediately comes to mind when Damian Lee hit the game winner. The Blazers game when Steph, or when uh, Dame was just absolutely ridiculous in the final minute absolutely comes to mind. But, you know, for a team that really felt like it was an embarrassment to the city of Chicago over the last few years. Uh, those days are over for the Bulls. And now the Bulls are just a regular, boring, average team. And it's wild how great that feels, right? Like, this is supposed to be the spot you I actually, don't... I would not call the Bulls boring. I think they're actually somewhat exciting. I think the way well, they play is kind of fun. Like, they're not, they're they're not good, but they're kind of fun. They're exciting in the sense that... Uh, they are exceedingly competent. And yeah, like there are a lot of uh, sort of like hidden gems or Easter eggs throughout the season. Like Zach is obviously just hot fire, dude. I mean, he's a straight up God scoring the ball. What is he said? 65% true shooting average in 29. And those are like truly mind blowing numbers that like MJ never approached 65% true shooting. Obviously, Uh, you know, the three pointers and Zach's hitting factor into that. And it's a different era, different game. But uh, those are tr- that's truly historic scoring efficiency, man. When he was putting up like 57 true shooting last year, like that was sick. Just to be able to perform league average on efficiency with such high usage, what he's doing this year is just insane. Uh, we've talked about Thad. Like Thad just needs all of his flowers. Everyone needs to be writing love letters to Thad. Uh, it's. I feel like it's a season that's going to go down in franchise lore, right? Like we're just going <laughs> to remember this one weird, awesome season from Thad Young where his playmaking took a big jump. He was, you know, I think obviously the second best player on the team, even though he's coming off the bench. Uh, Such great defense, amazing hands as always. The lefty flip shot seems like the only shot he ever takes, right, is that little flip going left. Uh, So good in the post. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely fun reasons to watch with this team. But I think in general, like, you know, we could – when we talk about like the big picture conversations of like what are the Bulls' pathways actually to getting towards contention, I think right now like those questions are very much up in the air. I don't think that they're like, a lottery ticket waiting for this team to take them to the next level. And you know we've played that game the last few years, and the Bulls you know came came away with the seventh pick two years in a row on their own. They trade Jimmy Butler, only come up with the seventh pick, uh, and I think in a lot of ways the Garpex era will continue to ham you know to sort of be a a something holding this team back for the last few years just because we don't really have there's not really a super great foundation of talent in place right but the point is that they're competent they're not embarrassing and i think in a lot of ways they're just sort of a an average team and that's awesome yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. You can't – it's really difficult. I mean, you just don't do it unless you get, like, LeBron James. Like, the Cavs, 
you don't just go from dog shit like the Bulls have been to a great team overnight in one year. It just like doesn't happen that way. And I mean, that never should have been the expectation, obviously, this year when the Bulls were bringing back the same roster, just with a new coach. And it's nice not to have a total joke and embarrassment of a head coach. And they obviously have a competent one in Billy Donovan, which is great. And I think he's probably helped Zach take that jump. He's helped uh, the way he's deployed Thad Young has been huge. And their bench has been great. Just in having that the general competence, as you said. So, but yeah, the question is, how do they take that next step? And again, whether it's the second half of the year against these better teams, that more better teams, we'll see how if they can take that next step. And moving forward, I guess part of that uh, taking that next step will involve somebody we haven't talked about yet today. Uh, we, we should Patrick Williams, who I know his numbers like don't look that impressive if you look at the box score, like in terms of like plus minus minus seventeen. He had five fouls. But he was 13.6 of seven from the field, four rebounds. He had three blocks. And I thought he did, again, an admirable job on Zion Williamson. He blocked him at least two. I think all three of those blocks were of Zion. Uh, Zion still had a huge game. Zion had 28, 9, and 5, uh, 10 of 17 from the field. He did only shoot 8 of 60 from the line, had some clutch misses. But other the Bulls like generally did a pretty darn good job on him. And Patrick Williams was a big part of that. Just I feel like he just kind of just knows what he's doing on defense. He's, he's in good position a lot. Uh, again, I know like the minus 17 looks rough there. And part of that was that late run, the late surge the Pelicans made. Pat Williams is on the floor for a lot of that. I think Billy subbed him out towards the end there. Um, but I think just, just the flashes you see in the offense, like he's got that sweet little mid-range shot. His three-point shooting has been really nice. I know it's the low volume, and Stacey King's always pushing him like, "Oh, he's gonna be—he's got to like be more aggressive and be like that second or third option." I think that it's—I think it's way too early to like beat it. It'd be nice to see Patrick Williams be a bit more aggressive offensively, but like second or third option, like maybe that in a couple of years, and that's just never really been his thing. It wasn't his thing at Florida State. It's not going to be his thing right now uh, as a 19-year-old or whatever in the NBA. But like the flash, we see the flashes there that he just like knows how to play. Uh, he's been pretty efficient. And just and he's never and he's always willing to go against these challenges, whether it's a guy like Zion Williamson, whether it's Giannis Adetokounmpo, Adetokounmpo, uh, LeBron, Kawhi. Uh, he's taken on all these challenges. Yeah. It hasn't always gone well for him, but uh, he never backs down, and it's great. And if the Bulls are going to be really good in the next couple of years, Patrick Williams being very good probably will have to be a part of that, unless he's traded for a superstar or something. But what did uh, you see out of Patrick Williams' yeah. game tonight? And just in general, your thoughts about his first half. The big question for Pat going into like next season, really the rest of this season is like, how can he maintain this level of scoring efficiency and just this level of uh, activity defensively as his usage starts to ramp up? Because right now he's 11th on the team in usage rate. He's got a sub 16% usage rate, which Chandler Hutchinson's only played, you know, seven games or whatever, but. Chandler Hutchinson's ahead of Patrick Williams in usage rate. Uh, Denzel Valentine is at 19% usage rate, right? So, yeah, I mean, Pat plays a very low-volume game right now. He does not force his opportunities. He looks a little tentative out there. I think, uh, you know, it would definitely aid him to work on becoming the best spot-up shooter he can possibly be because, uh, you know, when someone like Zach is going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit, Pat's role is going to be to space the floor. But the nice thing about Pat is that Where he has upside and where his ceiling lies, I think, comes with what he can actually do with the ball. Uh, He does have a bit of a dribble-pass-shoot skill set in the body of, you know, a 6'8", 6'9", wing forward who's strong enough to protect the rim and protect the paint uh, defensively. So, like, that's what makes him so interesting. 
And everything we've seen this year has been really encouraging. He's been making his threes. I think he's at like 38% from three, like you said, though, on low volume. In terms of uh, his two-point scoring, is at like 50% on twos. He's taking a ton of mid-range shots. I think I read somewhere that 41% of his attempts this year are coming from mid-range. Yeah, he but he's a good mid-range thing. shooter. He's, he's yeah. making, you know, 42% of his mid-range shots. So, yeah, he's going to have to work on his shot profile for sure i think you know i'm thinking back to jason tatum when i used to watch jason tatum at the high school level and at duke one of the storylines with him and one of the reasons i doubted jason tatum as a draft prospect probably one of the worst misses i've ever had uh, <laughs> in my armchair draft scouting is that i thought he took too many mid-range shots and i didn't think he'd be able to stretch out his game but also he was 18 or 19 years old and tatum obviously did stretch out his game become a very good three-point shooter I would like to see Pat, you know, make that same transformation, like start with the mid range. That's awesome. But he's going to have to be able to like build his game out past the arc. Uh, And a lot of that is just going to come with like refining his spot up shooting motions and his catch and shoot. Uh, But then I really want to see him to continue to grow on the ball, too, because I think his on the ball offense is what potentially makes him really exciting. Uh, We've already seen him have sort of the mid range pull up game. He likes to take the floater. Uh, he will attack the basket. He will try to dunk everything. He misses a lot of dunks, but uh, I'm really impressed with Pat. And I think, you know, what you said about the tests he's already taken defensively, guarding Zion tonight, he had a lot of success against Zion tonight, quite frankly. Uh, You know, like you said, we've seen him go toe-to-toe with LeBron, Kawhi. Yeah, it's been a a really encouraging rookie year for Patrick Williams, I think. I mean, he's been durable. I think he started every game, right? started all 32 games uh so or i guess maybe missed one game but yeah he, i think, I think that, he might have missed one or two but he's played most of this most of the games he, uh you know his usage is gonna have to be ramped up and for right now like i just feel like you just put him in sort of that combo forward spot and you just let him grow i don't think you really need to be adding a ton to his play i don't think that there needs no. to pressure on him to be making significant leaps because it can't be said enough. He's literally the youngest player in the NBA with Pukashevsky in the G League. Uh, he's younger than most of the rookies that are going to be in next year's draft. So uh, I think it's been super encouraging. I think it's premature to say, you know, he's in no doubt flat out stud, which, you know, no one really has been saying. But I do think he's got he's got ceiling, man. I really do, I do think he has ceiling just because of his comfort level uh, in the flashes he shows playing on the ball, combined with you know the physical you, attributes. Uh, and the- yeah. Were you disappointed that he uh, didn't make the fake Rising Stars game? <laughs> no, but do you remember what Jackson Hayes said about that game last year? When Jackson, oh Hayes yeah, he got he was up. real mad about it. He was real mad. He had a legendary quote about it. So Pat, you know his his mindset definitely seems like it's going to resonate with Chicago. I thought that. From the moment they drafted him, he definitely seems like, uh, you know, humble, hardworking, only worried about basketball, all that. The Midwest loves these type of people. So, uh, no, I was not upset that he got up from the Rising <laughs> Stars game, but I thought he played a really good game tonight, and let's keep building on it, Pat. Yeah, I mean, if you do look at the – I don't have the roster in front of me, but, like, since it is, like, sophomores, too, like – and the the weird format, like the USA versus like that world team is absolute dog shit. Uh, and like, but like the US team has like obviously has like Zion and Ja. I mean, Kobe, uh, it helps Pat gonna make it. You right, know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, like and the, some of the rookies, like Lamelo is obviously great. Like, and at first I saw like Keldon Johnson from the Spurs, and then I looked his numbers up, and he's like fourteen and six, and the Spurs are good. So like, all right, that's well, fine it? with me. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know they talked about it at the beginning of the broadcast. Like, oh man, did Patrick Williams use that as motivation for not making this game? But like, I totally understand why he didn't. You look at his numbers; they're not that great. But from what watching him every night, he has been. We have seen the flashes again. It will just be interesting to see how, uh, just how rapid his development might be when we're looking at the Bulls possibly taking that a leap up another level. Uh, I'm not totally sure, but I think it'll be fun. And I think the Bulls do have a keeper. I know we were. Uh, a lot of people were just were confused about the pick when it happened at the time, but uh, so far so good. I think for Patrick Williams, uh, said we, development not, isn't always linear. Hopefully, he does keep going on that rise. But so far, so good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of this program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. And please check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. I guess, but we haven't mentioned Zach either. Zach is going to do the three-point contest again. We we talked about all this other stuff with Zach, but what do you, th- do you think? I think he might have a chance of winning. It is a pretty loaded uh, loaded uh, field. I think I think Steph's in it. Dino Dame dropped out. I think Booker's in it. Uh, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Zach Zach was disappointed last year at home. I think he got eliminated in the first in that first round. Do you think? 
but he's been so on fire this year. I, I hope he at least does a little better this summer. Not that it really matters. It's, it's just so this whole also thing is just really goofy this year. With the slam dunk contest is dumb. What it's like three guys like Cassius Stanley, Anthony Simons, and I think Obi. Maybe Obi Top will be yeah. fun. Uh, what do you think? What's your prediction for Zach Levine in the All Star game? Well, I'm writing my predictions for All Stars. Nice. It used to be the All Star Saturday events, but now they're all being taken yeah. taking place Sunday. Uh, and I'll actually be live blogging the All Star Game too at SB Nation. So if anyone wants to jump on, I'm uh, sort of experimenting with some new live blogging uh, technology. So come hang out. Nothing you can comment on, and I'll be posting stuff throughout all the dunk contest, three point contest, and the game. Uh, I don't know. I don't expect him to win the three point contest just because there's a lot of sick shooters. I mean, it's yeah. Steph, it's Booker who won in 2018. I think he set the record in 2018. In last year, you'll remember, in Chicago, Jason and I were sitting next to each other. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Heald hit the last shot to win the three-point contest. You remember that? Now it seems like... It's been so long. It seems like it's been five years ago, dude. It was like the last normal thing that happened before (laughs) the world started burning. So... Uh, no, I don't expect him to win the, I don't expect him to win the three-point contest, but it would be cool if he did, and it'll be really fun to see him in the All-Star game. He'll probably have a sick dunk in the All-Star game. We saw him bust out an awesome dunk tonight yeah. in warm-ups. Such so a I tease. Think, like, but I think that, you know, he hasn't really done that all year, right? Like, I I can't remember seeing clips of him doing cool dunks in warm-ups, so I think he's gearing up to do something at the All-Star game that might be dope. Like, I don't think he's going to be in the dunk contest, obviously, but I right, do. Right, he said he's done with that, I think, at first. Uh, he doesn't. He has nothing to prove in that it's, anymore. Yeah, it's beneath him. But I do think he could try some something cool in the game itself. So yeah, that'll I hope be, so. I'm looking forward to the game, to the, you know, I don't think it should be happening, obviously, but... Uh, it's gonna happen, and I'm gonna blog it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess moving on from that, let's, let's talk about Wendell a little bit because I think there's there's been especially the last couple rough games that he had uh, against Jokic, against uh, DeAndre, and he didn't look very good in that Suns game. Uh, let me pull his numbers tonight. He had 15 rebounds, four assists, seven re- uh, seven offensive rebounds. He missed a bunch of layups to start the game, so he only finished three of eleven. Uh, seven points, fifteen rebounds, four assists, one block. Was a plus twenty-two. I th- think he was on the court. He, he had that big putback at the end of the game that kind of helped get some separation when the Pelicans were making that run. Because I think he was off the court for a lot of it, and then I think they brought him back in maybe to deal with Jackson Hayes or whatever. But uh, the last couple games though, like obviously he was. I think a lot of people were really down on Wendell uh, because he just got owned against the Suns and he got owned against Jokic. Uh, I do think that some of the stuff against like guys like Jokic and Embiid, I tweeted this out during this game tonight. Just was like, I think it's kind of overblown. I mean, you look at what Joel Embiid did to the Jazz tonight. He had like what forty and twenty or some shit like that, something crazy. And that's against the best defensive center in the NBA. And where do you go? Let me pull up the numbers. He had forty, forty and nineteen in an overtime victory. I know there was some craziness with the officiating there, and the Jazz probably should have won that game. But Embiid dominated that game himself, and Jokic dominated the Bucks last night. So like. Some of the stuff where about Wendell, like and the Bulls in general, just like not being able to guard these like superstar MVP big men, I think is kind of overblown. Those guys just destroy everybody. Uh, but I do think that I do understand some of the concern about Wendell, though. Like just in general, he's been so he's just been so inconsistent in his, in his career. He just he's had troubles staying on the court. We know with the injuries, uh, he has issues with some of the with his confidence issues sometimes, and just we saw tonight some of the issues finishing around the basket. Uh, so again, just like another uneven first half of the season for Wendell Carter Jr. I know you've been a been a Wendell guy. We've talked about this. 
Where are you at with Wendell right now after this first half of the season? Yeah, man, we could do a full podcast on this. I don't want to go too long on this episode, but I think that uh, the team has obviously, I think you saw how much they needed him when he was out just because he's so much better than anyone else they have at the five. But with that being said, I think like he's definitely been a disappointment relative to my expectations when the Bulls took him. Uh, and you know what's unfortunate is very similar to Lowry Marketing. He just hasn't really gotten a ton better in his time with the Bulls. Now, uh, you know, he's improved his three-point shooting at least a little bit this year, but he's still not a good three-point shooter at the end of the day. And that's a he won tonight, at least. He won one tonight. Uh, off three. A great feed from Zach, corner yep. three, yeah. Uh, his defense, you know, it was promising as a rookie. It's still somewhat promising, but it's not, like, super elite by any means. He obviously has trouble guarding the really big guys, but, no, I mean, no one can really guard right. MBE yeah. here, so you can't fault him too much for that. But in general, I would say that Wendell looks decidedly not special. Uh, he's small for a center. I always thought that, you know, the way he would win was with his skill, and he hasn't developed into the shooter I thought he would. He hasn't developed into a special passer, certainly not. He's like He has improved. His assist, he, if you look at his assist rate, it's better. He's, like, slightly above average as a passer for yeah. a center, probably, but he's not amazing. And the one thing I want to bring up with Wendell, though, I think people forget this. He's 21 years old, man. Yep. He'll turn 22 next month. Uh, <laughs> so in the middle of April, he turns 22. He's I still- know he was that. Damn, I feel old. I'm older than him. <laughs> He's a very, very young player. Uh, but I just don't think that there's any reason to believe that at this point he can be like a super above average starter. Uh, The only way that happens is if he becomes a really good shooter or if he can kind of copy the way Thad acts as a release valve in the offense and can really like level up his playmaking in the short role and give you some like high level playmaking out of the five. I thought he was going to be able to provide that. He hasn't really been able to do it. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think he was always a bet on skill level and that hasn't totally shown through. So it's, I think it's fair to be a little disappointed in him for sure. I also think you have to acknowledge that he's way better than Daniel Gaffer, Luke Cornette, anyone else they have on the yeah. team. But you know, is he the long-term solution at the five? Uh, at this point, I think it's undecided. All right. So okay. with me, like my bad, but I, I've been in. No, go ahead. I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say. I agree. But go ahead. You have the floor. All right, my bad. I'm just saying. So, like, I'm a Bulls fan, but I've I've been in Florida for college the past four years. So I haven't watched a Bulls game since the 2015 2016 season. Like the last year, D Rose was there. But from like the highlights in the games of this season so far, like Wendell, he's good, but he's expungeable. Like I'm down to trade Laurie and Wendell to get a solid number two for Zach Levine on the big. Like, he could play defense, he could rebound, but he, like you said, he's undersized. And in the long term, I just don't see him as a future. And his game is just, it's, it's got to expand more, but we don't need time. We need another star right now for Zach Levine before he does get frustrated. But if if we didn't have Zach Levine, I'll be down to keep everybody, basically. But it's if the you fact have that Zach Levine, you'd probably be tanking. But. <laughs> Yeah, or if Gar or if Gar forming the John Paxson drafted a good number two, then we would be in a better position. Like we took Laurie Marketing over John over John Collins on the Hawks and Bam Adebayo. If they were to draft except Laurie, if they were to draft one of those two players, we would be in a better situation, in my opinion. 
And if they would have drafted Shea, yeah, Gilgis- I mean, you could always look, go back and look at that stuff. It's brutal. And I do, I, I think the point about just like trading Wendell and Lowry, like I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen now. Obviously, like this trade deadline, but like I mean, with Lowry, he's going to be a restricted free agent. But with with the thing with Wendell, I kind of disagree with those general points. Like he looks like he, I think he's like a solid NBA starter. You said he is kind of undersized for a big man. He does have a pretty good wingspan, but he definitely just, yeah, like you said, he's just not special. I think he's, and if the Bulls can get an upgrade, like you said, if they can get. I think uh, consolidating some of this young core, whether that's like Wendell and Lowry, or maybe you include Kobe. Kobe did have a nice game tonight, and he's he's put uh, he's up to scoring a bit lately. But if you can do make a big trade, and that's something I've kind of been looking at. I'm not really sure who they do it for. Uh, make a big trade for a number two guy to play with Zach, or a, a, even somebody because, better. I don't know. Like because we're in a tough situation. Like because Lowry and Lowry and Wendell, they both have valuable assets, but they're both um like they they both have pros and cons. Like Lowry can shoot, ball handle. He's better offensively, but Wendell is better defensively. But it's like who would you rather have? Because they're both kind of injury prone. But yeah. Lowry, but Wendell is more durable. But he doesn't have the skill set of Lowry. So if It'll be better if we could just have some 2K and we could merge both of those players together. That would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) Right. At this point, point, it's probably you keep Wendell. He is younger, 21. He still is only the third year of his contract. A lot of it is with timing, with Lowry having to pay Lowry this offseason. I know Wendell is eligible for an extension, but I feel like with him, too, like it's uh, like I, I probably wouldn't give him an extension. Like he just like hasn't shown enough either. So it's like I, it's it's hard to say. Like I, mean, I'd probably be fine trading. Lowry. I don't like I don't want to lose Lowry for nothing, but like if they traded him for something, like if they did, we've I mean we've talked about like the trading for Lonzo Ball, who did not have a good game tonight, by the way. He, he yep, did and, not look nearly and, as good as he did the last game against the Bulls, but and just playing better in general. I don't even know if he's available anymore. The last reports were that the Pelicans like what Lonzo's been doing. He shot like forty five percent from three. But when we were talking about like the Lori for Lonzo trade. Like I would probably absolutely do that. Like why not? I would too. Yeah, yeah, and that would be good too. Like give and like and not even that we can try to get more like they need someone to shoot so i'm trying this will be a bad trade but if we could somehow steal steven adams too like get steven adams and lonzo ball that'll be that'll be tremendous steven adams look pretty shitty tonight i don't know if i have much to do with him but I, maybe that was just him like mailing it in for, for the all-star break but yeah uh, I, I mean i would just think lonzo just just the, the young talent there is good uh, I know Steve, Van- Steve Adams is a big body. I guess tonight might have just been a poor night for him. Yeah. This Pelicans defense is always- just weird, but um, yeah, in general though, just like like Lonzo would be great. But like I said, the latest reports were that the Pelicans like him, that they might not trade him. So I'm not totally sure what's going on there. So but, how can uh, we get Kyle Lowry? Because that's my second. Like besides Lonzo, to like who's a young player with Zach Levine, Kyle Lowry, who's an energizer. He he's a great leader. A veteran like Kyle Lowry would be perfect for this team, but how will we get him? Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure. It's gonna be interesting to see what the Raptors do about Kyle Lowry. I'm not totally sure. Like, well, something I've looked at back at is maybe the Bulls should have gone harder after CP3. Uh, the Suns are what third and second in the West now. If the Bulls would have been able to pull off the CP3 trade, they'd probably be they'd probably be fourth in the East. Yeah, easy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'd probably be where the Knicks are. Yeah, I think the Celtics are four, four, I mean, there's just a huge glut here of all these teams here in the East. The Bulls are so just a game and a half behind the Celtics, who are fourth. And then there's obviously the first three teams are way ahead of everybody See, else. The Celtics was the ninth seed like two days ago. Yeah, it's a, like, it's it was a mess. Out, this is crazy. It's crazy because like the West and the East are total opposites. The, the fourth seed through the tenth seed 
are separated by like two games, but the West they're all over five hundred, but the East they're under five hundred. Yeah, it's a mess. Like what the fuck? In the story of the last uh, Winky, I believe you were trying to speak. Did you were you able to get up? I thought I let you on here. Yo, what's up, boys? How you doing? No. What's going on? You want to try again? You probably could. Maybe I hit the wrong button here. What's uh, I, even, I could hear you. I'm definitely open for anybody else talking. Uh, I'm trying to think. Really, don't have much. To, what else Jay- can we talk? I guess we could look ahead here to the second half of the season. Uh, again, the Bulls have basically a week off now yes, with the All Star break. Uh, and then the things get really tough here. The second, the start, of the second half of the year. I think they come out of the break. What is it against the Raptors? Uh, let me pull up their schedule really quick. Bulls second half of the season. Um, okay, so they play the Sixers. We talk, just talked about uh, going against Joel Embiid. Uh, they're going to come out of the break against Joel Embiid and the Sixers, and then I think they have like the Heat after that, or the Raptors against some something. Like, let me pull it up here. Yeah, uh, Sixers, Heat, Hello? Raptors. The Thunder Jason. are bad, then the Spurs are a playoff team, and then at Denver, that is kind of brutal. So I, I mean, that's basically leading right up to the trade deadline here. So that's. Uh, they got, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games left before the trade deadline. Uh, most of those games are against good teams. They do face, like, the, again, the Thunder, the Pistons, and the Cavs. The Cavs have been playing a little better, but that's six basal play- playoff teams out of nine. So I wonder if that will kind of just, like, determine what they do before the trade deadline. And I'm curious to see how the Bulls do. They've been competing in general, even against the good teams. They just ha- haven't able to win these games. Uh, so uh, I'm just Jason, really curious, I, Ricky. Do you Jason. think the Bull? I guess just on the spot here right now as we go into the break for these nine games before the trade line. Do you think the Bulls will make at least one trade? I think it's probably unlikely. Probably unlikely because Karnaschovas has been so, uh, you know, gun shy so far. So he hasn't really pulled the trigger on any big moves. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to trade Thad given Thad's, you know, uh, recent comments from Karnaschovas, the yeah, way that Thad and Zach yeah. sort of seem to be, you know, bonding more than ever this year. So uh, I'd be surprised. But Winky, how you doing, man? And, uh, no. you know, what What are your impressions of the Bulls, uh, you know, through the first well, half of the season? How are you feeling about the team right now? What's happened, man? I haven't spoken to you guys in so long. You guys have uh, – a lot of people have no idea this, but – I've been a part of Bloggable for almost, I feel like, 15, 20 years now. So we've known each other through (laughs) the internet web for a long time. Um, But I just needed to jump in once I started hearing that blasphemy about Lori Markman. A lot of you guys know how much I love Lori. (laughs) We need to see Lori and Wendell, because I know you guys are talking about Wendell. We need to stay and stay healthy. And I know it's a cop-out. I know people are sick and tired of it. But the (laughs) fact is, it's so true. Like, every time we feel like something's good is happening with these dudes, like, they just get bad luck. And we saw, I mean, I don't want to sound like a homer, like the the president of the Lori fan club, but you remember how Thad and Lori looked together when they were out there running that two-man big game? Like, I'd never seen Lori play like that. And I was like, oh, this is a new development that I've seen, like, him playing off the ball with another big man. And I didn't see Thad being able to utilize another big man like that. Like that two game, two man game was fascinating to me. So it's like I feel like people just, I don't know, because of the injuries and all that, they just get frustrated and they're like, we just gotta get rid of these dudes. I'm actually part of the camp that says let's just chill. Like besides like Bradley Beal, like who's really out there that's gonna move the needle? Like we already seen this uh, the free agent class kind of dry up uh, for this summer. So it's like what movies to be made there? Like. Our AK's proven to be like you know relatively patient. It's like it's worked for him this far. 
and see what coaching could do for like a fully healthy like Lori and Wendell together for like maybe a couple more months and stuff. And I'm actually kind of stoked. Like it's never been like you were saying earlier, it's never been so cool to be this mediocre. And it's just like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like the you know like the ugly girl at school. You know, I just got plastic surgery. And I'm not really the hottest girl anymore, but I'm not the ugliest anymore. So it's cool, and I can blend in now, and not be even made fun of anymore. So <laughs> it's just it's a really cool thing, and it's refreshing. And I'm totally down to just wait this out with competent coaching and management in charge. And I just want to say one more thing. I am still hell tilted about Patrick Williams not making the rookie game. Um, I know. <laughs> oh, he's not thing. making it. What? I mean, I know it's a meaningless thing. I know. I'm, I swear. I They're do. not even playing it. <laughs> but still, like, it drives me nuts when I see all this love for Wiseman and Edwards out there. When uh, Wiseman's played like half as many minutes, I think, to P. Will this year. Um, Edwards is probably. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Yeah. Edwards is still like the lowest, like literally dead last. Behind, oh, no. Yes, yes. It's Edwards dead last in total points added. That metric. Like, he's terrible. Literally one of the most <laughs> cool dunks in the Timberwolves are still as Patrick Williams guarded LeBron, Giannis, like, and yeah, Kawhi like, his first month in the he NBA. He will, like, is asked to guard the best players. He's playing meaningless he's min- uh, meaningful good. minutes against. Sorry, go on. I was just. Oh, oh my bad. I'm just, I'm just adding, adding, <laughs> I'm Go adding, ahead. Adding. You can go off. No, I'm sorry. It just drives me nuts because like P. Will deserves more credit because I get the on and off numbers and I, even his metrics are actually aren't that amazing. But dude is asked to do a lot for a 19 year old on a team that was so supposed to be like made fun of for the entire year, and we're in the playoff race. And like we were just saying, he's playing he's playing defense against the best players in the world. He's just doing what's asked of him. He's playing meaningful minutes, and he's not taking dumbass shots like like Edwards is. <laughs> Edward's just chucking and chucking and making Dude, one great dunk a day, and everyone loves him for that. The Timberwolves are completely lost, like by forty to the, to the Hornets tonight. I mean, they're just I and mean, they got a new coach. They didn't even get the new coach bump. I know the Bulls barely yeah. beat them, and they almost blew it against them in that overtime game. But like, yeah, what thirty three point loss tonight? Uh, Edwards eight of twenty three from the field, one of ten from three. Big yikes, Carl. Carl, I, I guess if we're talking about trying to get somebody for the Bulls, like. In a couple, in a year or two, maybe try to go get Cat. I don't, I don't know what. I, he's obviously yeah, but, like put up great like, numbers in his career. Yeah, I feel you. Teams have always been bad, like except for the year Jimmy was there. Uh, but I mean, I'd still think he'd be an upgrade, probably over Wendell. But that, that team is just awful, just in general. And yeah, I mean, Edwards is just basically out there chucking. I mean, he's obviously also super young, and and that kind of team, especially with Russell out, like he's just kind of they're just kind of letting him do whatever, and it's uh, obviously not working out too well so far. <laughs> Um, I think that to the, the point that you made though about Lowry here. and that I know, and I've been kind of harsh on Lowry, but I, that was something I had looked was looking up earlier in the season. Lowry was shooting something like uh, at some point he was shooting like sixty some percent off Thad passes, just like Thad sticking Thad in the middle of the court and Lowry just sticking out in the winger in the corner, and Thad would just be finding him for wide open threes like over and over again. They did have a really nice rapport there, uh, and it's just, it's just again I mentioned just like the timing with with. With Lowry and with just the, uh, the injuries and just with the free agency, it will be interesting to see if they do what they do change up. Because I still do, I still am very, I'm still pretty skeptical once we get past Zach and then we talk about Patrick Williams, whether this core is actually like a legitimate, like top end contender core. No. We haven't even talked about Kobe that much. And like Kobe's head looked a little better lately, but we know like as a point guard, he's just not that great. Still very young as well. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys still are super young. So it just depends on like how long. 
they give them or aka sticks around with these guys or with the, when when they do have a guy like Zach, like do they try to speed up the process and consolidate these guys into a better player? Like you did just mention, like who's actually going to be available? It doesn't look like Beal's going anywhere. We don't know. I mean, sometimes guys pop up out of nowhere with like a trade request. I mentioned maybe Cat, uh, but we'll see. Like there's there's really no clear path there right now. So it will be interesting to see if AK does stay patient. We didn't really even – Ricky kind of brought up those top uh, those comments he made. He actually – he spoke before the Nuggets game against his former team. He finally talked to the media, and he kind of talked about – I mean, he said a lot of nothing. He said a lot of stuff you expect, just kind of predictable, boring, like Zach is great. We like how Lowry's played. Uh, Thad, we don't look at guys as trade assets. We love how Thad Young is doing. So, like, I mean, just a lot of stuff you usually expect. Uh, from this kind of stuff, especially it seems like with him, it seems like he does not give give up much when he talks. So we will be very interesting to see. Um, yeah, I don't want to go too much longer. Does you, know, you guys have any final thoughts here before the... we wrap it up? Uh, you guys, thanks for hopping on here. Any uh, you guys have final thoughts? Oh yeah, just one thing to say. Um, the Bulls, we don't need to do much. We just need to be like the Clippers before they got Kawhi and Paul George in Brooklyn before they got KD and Kyrie. All we have to do is build a culture compete hard, have a good young core who's with a, with a mixture of veterans, and we already have Zach Levine. So all we have to do is build that culture, build our team, and that, that should be easy because it's not that's not big money to just rebuild the bench and the role players, and then we could get that free agent, that big-time free agent. Uh, the Bulls still, I think they still got a long way to go. They got no quick fixes, in my opinion. It's going to require some tough decisions from Karnaschovas. That's why he was hired. The main way he can be an improvement on the last front office, I think, is by making some trades. So, uh, you know, this last, the core that the last front office assembled, I do think that, you know, you don't just want to hang on to him forever and let him grow forever. I think uh, you can move off some of them, try to get some new young guys in there, hopefully, and and see what happens. But, you know, so far it's it's been a relatively fun first half of the season. And I think that does it for us, Jason. I'm going to wrap this up here. Unless anyone, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got, I got, I got nothing else. Cool. Uh, thank you guys yeah. for listening, and thank you guys for uh, coming on. I guess I just saw this question. Sorry, I saw a question here. I think it just refreshed for me about Otto Porter Jr. Who the hell knows what's going on with Otto Porter Jr.? Nobody knows what's going on with Chandler Hudson. Weird shit. We'll see if Otto's back anytime soon. We'll see if Lowry's back soon uh, at the second half of the season. Who knows? Nothing new there, but uh, cool. weird stuff with Otto and with. Uh, with Chenna Hudson. We don't know anything what's going on there, but we, we're going to wrap it up now. Again, yeah. thank you guys for joining us to talk here. Always love having guys uh, joining us on the floor and, and giving us their Bulls, Bulls takes. Uh, yeah. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to Locker Room App for having us on here. We're going to be doing a bunch more of these uh, live Locker Room pods uh, throughout the rest of the season, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, as always, uh Please check out all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network. There's a ton of them. Um, it's great stuff for us here at Cash. Uh, please rate and review us. This pod will be up later uh, later over the night. Play, again, please rate and review us. Uh, let us know how we're doing. You know where to find me and Ricky on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. He's at, at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, you can find us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Again, upcoming for the Bulls, it is the All-Star Break. We have the All-Star Game on, on Sunday. Uh, after that, we will we are hopefully planning on talking to Casey Johnson next weekend. We are hoping to have him on as an interview guest. We're just trying to uh, lock in that interview, so that should hopefully be a lot of fun. Uh, and then the Bulls will be back again next 
that'd be next Thursday, so that's a week from tomorrow, basically, against the Philadelphia 76ers. So once again, this has been Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time, and have a happy All-Star break. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com